This is Victoria of TheUnleashedHeart.com, and you're listening to Grieving Voices, a podcast for hurting hearts who desire to be heard, or anyone who wants to learn how to better support loved ones experiencing loss. As a 30-plus year griever and advanced grief recovery method specialist, I know how badly the conversation around grief needs to change. Through this podcast, I aim to educate grievers and non-grievers alike, spread hope, and inspire compassion toward those hurting. Lastly, by providing my heart with ears and this platform, grievers have the opportunity to share their wisdom and stories of loss and resiliency. How about we talk about grief like we talk about the weather? Let's get started. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to an episode of Grieving Voices. Today, my guest is Darren Evans. He is the CEO and founder of AfterCloud, which is a digital media um, vault or app, I suppose, how you describe it, um, where people can use to celebrate occasions, record family history. And his work comes from a deeply um, rooted loss in his life. And we'll get more into that. But welcome, Darren. Thank you for being here. It's an absolute pleasure, Victoria. Good to be here. Thank you. So let's start there. Tell us about the work that you do. Um, so, I mean, my work is fairly recent. It, uh, it sort of, uh, to answer your question about AfterCloud, it's a, a bit of both. It's an app currently uh, with a view to being a platform. And what it does is it helps people to capture their moments um, in multiple content types to create that moment. Uh, right now, actually, it's being used in, in dementia-related services, um, in hospice care, older people's services as well, and predominantly around activity types. So as an example, if you've got an art therapist or a music therapist or a therapist providing services, it allows them to capture those moments so that the individual can share those moments with family in a closed group setting. Um, so that's ultimately what it does. Um, it also has the ability to future post, so potentially posthumous postings. So that's essentially what AfterCloud is. But um, but the, the the journey for us started really uh, when my mother-in-law passed away two years ago. Um, we were actually working on another app at the time, which uh, was essentially a digital um, advent calendar. So my, it was my wife's idea. I can't take credit or responsibility for it. It was my wife's idea that she wanted to do something for her sister's 50th birthday. I think it was at the time. So, and we looked around, there was nothing really much available. So we started to develop this app, but at the same time we were came from my mother-in-law who had this very aggressive form of Lewy body dementia. And, um, she, she, she died from it. It was very, as I say, very aggressive. Um, and my son, who was 11 at the time, said to us, um, can't we do something for families or for people that are in a similar predicament? I think what it was is when she died, we realized that whilst we had a you know, lifetime of wonderful memories, there was nothing really tangible or anywhere to go um, 
to, to, to gather those things, you know, we've got the old couple of pictures and we've got, we've actually found once one video since of her dancing in this uh, sort of birthday celebration, I think it was. Um, but that's it. So nothing really much. And we thought, you know, we, we don't really do this in, a, in family circles. Um, I mean, there's social media, of course, which is public. And there are ways and means to capture different things. But we, when my son said this, the light bulb went. And, you know, as I say, I've been working in health and social care for 20 years. Um, and uh, I, I reached out to people. And whilst there's lots of clinical systems in place, there wasn't really anything for the individual. And that was really where we were looking at initially, that end of life um, space, really. As you were talking, I was reflecting on too, thinking back to, I don't know if you've seen it at all, but, and I've referenced it a couple times in blog posts and things, but um, have you seen or heard of the Netflix docuseries Surviving Death? I, I haven't. Um, we have a, we, uh, we have a similar, well, I'm not, I don't know if it's similar at all, but um, Ricky Gervais uh, has a Netflix series, uh, After Life. Oh, and it's, I've only, I only sort of become aware of it, um, I guess, in the last six or 12 months. But certainly people, someone pointed out to me that, oh, my gosh, your app looks similar to, to, to Ricky Gervais's Afterlife. And um, when you watch the series, you'll see his wife has created these videos for him for when she's gone. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you don't forget to, to do the washing on this degree and uh, don't forget that you'll need to, you know, redo the insurance or renew the insurance on this date and little things that will help him assist. But obviously from his grief perspective, he, he's constantly looking at these videos um, just to sort of stay in touch, I guess, with his, with his wife. Um, but I've not seen the other one that you mentioned. No. Yeah. It's only six episodes, but every episode is a different aspect of end of life. So there's um, a couple episodes on talking about mediums um, there's one on reincarnation. There's one specifically on end of life, like seeing like um, the visions and things that people see towards the end of life. And I know we had talked briefly before, but going into um, end of life doula training coming up soon, um, I can see where this would be such a a value piece that I can mention and give as a resource for for loved ones too, because. Uh- is this correct? It's, it's almost like, um, like it can be like a family group. Yeah. Chat type sort of thing too. Mm, sort of. I mean, that's, that, that's certainly where we're going right now. The individual can, um, invite people into their circle. So that closed group setting, so it's secure, but it's an invite only. So, um, as an individual download the app and then you invite your relatives into your circle and and you can do you know that works both ways of course but what we've also built into the app is the ability for uh, a companion so there are essentially three user types currently anyway three user types so you've got the individual patient um, the loved one a family member and then a companion and that companion effectively is a uh, a doula or, or some or end of life practitioner that can assist with, you know, helping someone with their content if they've not got the ability to do it themselves. Um, and interestingly, I was, I was last March, I was invited onto um, uh, one of the basic doula foundation courses 
here in the UK. Um, so, so I've kind of been through that process myself and it was all new to me. Uh, I have to say I was uh, very emotional um, as well to, to, you know, just to learn to go through those processes. Uh, I was, I was very fortunate to be invited by Felicity Warner who runs um, sold midwives here in the UK. And uh, it was fascinating. I'd never actually heard the term doula before in my life. <laughs> so it was, it was new to me. I um, actually hadn't either. <laughs> no. It's I actually saw the term. It? Yeah, I saw the term death doula, and I'm like, yeah. oh, what's a death doula? <laughs> it, it does sound harsh, doesn't it? It, it, it does. You know, even to me now, I find it harsh, which is why I say end of life practitioner because it's got that gentle kind of tone, tone to it. But um, but yeah, death doula. So it was new to me. As I say, they call them soul midwives, soul companions, and other things here in the UK. Uh, but yeah, yeah, completely enlightened by it actually. Can we bring up a little bit about, because you touched on it before we started to record, but Mm. I'm interested in like the cultural differences because you're in the UK and you kind of touched on a little bit about how, you know, the culture there is a little bit stiff upper lip when it comes to feelings and emotions. And I can tell you being in German country, it's no different. You know, I'm in the German heritage background area. And it's no different, but I'm curious how that has um, played out in your grief. Yeah, just a quick question there. Then can see Deutsche sprechen auch oder? Just a little bit. Ganz bisschen. Just a little bit. I say ich liebe dich. I love you. Ich liebe dich. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I lived I lived in Germany for a little bit, which is why I asked the question. Oh, I've been there. Yeah, yeah. I so I guess to answer your question, yeah, well, I find it. You know, I've been having these these conversations now across the globe, really, um, in relation to aftercloud, with you know end of life practitioners, clinicians, um, lots of different people that are involved in end of life care or, or or dementia care or or palliative care in the community. And culturally, I find it a little bit more advanced in Australia and the US and Canada. Predominantly, I think those three markets really are leading in terms of that um, interdisciplinary approach to end of life care. So that holistic kind of joined up approach. I think they're a little bit more forward um, in the UK. I think we're a little bit behind the curve. Uh, we, I mean, Cecily Saunders obviously created hospice hospice care here in the UK. You know, and that model has now been reflected, you know, across the globe. But I think we're very much practitioner, clinician-led at end of life in the UK. Um, and we've got a little bit of catching up to do with, I think, sometimes just letting go and, and letting people who have that compassion or that empathy to apply practical end of life experiences, both for the individual and for family members. But, but, but you know, that's a personal opinion. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, there'll be a lot that disagree with that. And, uh, you know, I mean, that, that's, that's for them to disagree with. But I, I think having these conversations, you do get a sense of where uh, the community, I don't like calling it a market, but the, certainly the community is leading and paving the way. And as I say, Australia, Canada, USA, for sure. There is a doctor too in that Surviving Death series, a, a researcher, and, you know, he's very much academic, but he mentions he's in Europe and I, I want to say he's in the UK as well, but, um, but in Europe, I can't remember exactly where, but he does mention that too. Mm. How it's you know, this very death is like this. It's almost 
I don't I can't even it's, explain how it, yeah I'm not sure how he worded it so I, I'd get it wrong no matter well, what I'd say uh, but alluded yeah. to the same thing you did anyway yeah well, I think we class it as the unspoken word I mean even now um you know we have a we have a guest book called the d word <laughs> just to oh. allude to it and mm-hmm. you know there's a there's a health radio UK health radio show called the d word as well because I think he, we don't use that word um and I you know, part of our process, certainly part of what we see as our responsibility for AfterCloud is that um, we normalize it. We normalize the word. You know, and this is something I found out as well through conversation, but um, around the bend, if you're going around the bend, that's an old phrase for mental illness. And that's because in Victorian times, they placed we call them hospitals, but they place them around the bend. So they were out of the way, out of eyesight mm-hmm. from the general population. And that, so that meant, you know, if you were going around the bend, you were going to a mental institution. And again, it's that sort of Victorian, you know, again, I think morbidity as an example. So if someone died back in the Victorian era, you were aware of someone grieving because they were all in black. They were dressed in black. The curtains would be shut. Whereas we don't have that now. Nowadays, you don't know if someone's grieving unless they tell you specifically, we don't, you know, we, we don't mourn the way we used to mourn uh, with the curtains shut and wearing black. Times are changing. And as I say, I think it, it, this period that we've all found ourselves in, or we've found ourselves in for, for, through COVID as kind, I, I, I've already said, but mentioned that you know, everybody is now fully implicitly aware of their own mortality because it's been presented to us by the media, you know, front and center stage in a pl- multitude of colors and um, and I think that it's 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 horrid time as it may be, but it's but it it I think it's lessened the impact of the word death, um, and it's starting to normalise the conversation for the general general population. And one of my missions too, starting this podcast, was to get, I mean, to help society talk about grief, like we talk about the weather. It's kind of it's in my intro because it's. It is about normalizing it and hearing other people's stories. And that's how we relate is through story. And we see ourselves in other people's stories. And if people feel a sense of hope after they listen to someone's story on my podcast, that's really what what I'm shooting for. So your app could be hope for someone who's in the process or experiencing you know, someone who's going through a terminal illness or like dementia or something like that. I was going to say that's an interesting one as well, because when we started this journey, as, as I mentioned, it was from a grief place. It was initially directed at end of life. And when we started our early discussions with people in hospice care or in palliative care in the community, they don't want to talk about death. They're aware of the process they're going through, but they absolutely don't want to talk about death or that, that journey. People with dementia are aware that they're losing their memory slowly, but surely. And they're more than happy to talk about that journey. And they're more than happy to have those conversations and have the appropriate planning in place. So it's, 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 it's a, I found that fascinating myself, actually, just those, those two trails of thought. So we have, slightly realigned it to open it up to more of a life tech kind of app because it is it you know we've got uh, we've got my two give you two instances interestingly one doula in the states that um two weeks into the beta became a grandmother 
So her daughter started capturing moments within Aftercloud in the beta form of, of that process. So we've, there's a child there in the States that is now 15 weeks old that is being captured or her moments are being captured. The really important moments are being captured, which is fantastic. We have another doula, Karen in New Zealand, who said, actually, I'm going to turn this around and show my parents how they've impacted my life, not the other way around. So we see it more of a life tech app as opposed to the other end of the spectrum. Well, I mean, here's the thing. We don't know when our time is up, right? No, no, we, we really don't. don't. No, uh, I've oh. been posting more recently, actually, is you know, what if today is your last day? What if there are no, t- no more tomorrows? It's kind of a little bit like, um, I don't like phrasing it like this, but in insurance, it's kind of, I want to create those moments or write those letters that I want to write before it's too late. So let's do it. Let's just put them or st- at least start capturing them. Oh, I love that. It's like you said, it could be a way to document your life. Yeah. 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 We've got people that are journaling, storytelling, as I say, art therapy, music therapy. Music is fas- fascinating uh, because um, with the music therapist that we're working with, in fact, one in particular, actually, Sandra, who, who's in Ireland, uh, she shows album covers to her, uh, to the patients in, in, the, in the hospital. It's actually a nursing home, but she, um, she shows them album covers. And of course, it instinctively takes them back to that day that they you know, might have played the album with their friends or family. And then she'll pick a, a track from the album and play the track for them. And again, it invokes those emotions that they had at that time. So it, straight away it takes them back to that to that occasion and of course it can be captured there and then and shared with family and friends we're doing a bit of work in vr as well because vr does a similar thing um you know virtual reality headsets where it can take someone back to a a time or a place uh, or location and really invoke those memories and there's a lot of research actually taking place in that in that area now from a psychological perspective so uh, the potential is that we're working with various universities from a psychology perspective on, on that process. I mean, it's early days yet, but that's, that's certainly where it's going, I think. Dr. Chris Kerr, he is in the Surviving Death series, and he, he's, he's a palliative hospice care doctor. And so he had done a lot of research in end-of-life experiences of his patients and mm. documented what they were seeing and experiencing leading up to, you know, as they were beginning their transition with terminal illness. Yeah. And he actually referenced something you had just, what you had just said something. And that made me think of that, but he has a, in his Ted talk, he talks about um, a soul, a, an older a gentleman who's dying and he was a soldier. He was in world war two. And one of his visions was, it was very traumatic for him. He was having these flashbacks of, because his job was to transport the bodies and his visions were uh, really traumatic. And then they switched and a soldier came to him and said, soon they will be coming for you. But it was a very comforting thing. And the vision, the, the horrible vision stopped, the horrible dream stopped and suddenly he felt comforted by his comrades who are coming for him. Wow. It's just a really beautiful illustration of how the deeply rooted pains in our hearts come back to us as we're transitioning to heal us in a way, spiritually, on a soul level. Yeah. It, 
I mean, we could go very deep there, but I think yeah, it just made me think of that. I don't know why. Uh, well, no, I think t- talking about trauma, I think there's going to be a lot of trauma related, um, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder from frontline workers. You know, they've been going through, well, the hell, I wouldn't, I, I don't mind mm-hmm. to say that. The sheer amount of work and exhaustion that they're seeing currently, and this is, you know, everybody that's involved in that provision of care, are exa- they're exhausted. Um, and what a fantastic job they're all doing. It's just incredible. But I do foresee a need a huge need for them to be supported when we do eventually come out of this horrible time. I think it's imperative that they get the support, whether it's holidays or, you know, rest and recuperation, as we used to call it in the, in the, in the forces, you'll know that. Um, I think it's fundamentally important that they're supported in this best way they can possibly be supported because they've been doing a tremendous job. Yeah. But I think so post-traumatic stress, I know whether or not that, that that comes to the fore through grief as well. Um, again, I don't know, but you, you're probably best placed to tell me. Um, yeah, in grief recovery, we say that trauma is what happens and grief is what's left. Yeah, and I think that's shock as well. So I'm curious then, how are you using this app in your life? And that's a great question because we are so close to it. Most of the time it was test, so test, 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 and I've been capturing all sorts of things. Just yesterday, as an example, we went out for quite a lengthy uh, walk in the countryside just to get that fresh air. I mean, it's cold, but it, just to get that fresh air. But we took some video footage there and then. What we tend to do, though, is we post it for the, for the following day or f- within a few days, which is, which is great. I mean, it's still there. It's in draft or it's published. It's either or. But, we, you know, we, we have that content. Uh, and again, my son... My wife actually wanted wanted me to give my son a piggyback, just again capture that sort of moment really of being in the being. So we we do things like that as family, but most of the time it's actually um, test, as opposed to sort of my life moments. I think that's because I'm really really close to the app, I guess. But you know, I have written letters just to, just to give an example. You within within the app itself, you you can so to create a moment, you can upload a, an image. You can upload a video or take a video in app. You can record your voice. Uh, You can write or dictate a letter or all of those things combined to make a moment. So what we've, what we say to people is imagine uh, you've got an old photo. Well, that's great. That's an old photo, but what memories does it invoke? What, you know, tell us about the time that that, happened and of course you can embellish that with a, with an audio or or uh or a letter if you wanted to just to explain it i mean we've got i, I digress away from the question but we we've got people that now <laughs> uh, one patient that's in our working group his mum gave him some recipes and so he wants to maintain the family recipes and give them to his kids He's also writing goodbye mm-hmm. letters as well. They don't want to call it goodbye letters. Um, I, I spoke to somebody else about this last week. Um, and uh, maybe they should be hello letters uh, and not goodbye letters. So, uh, again, it's a, just a different take on it. But you can use it for all sorts of things. We are ourselves capturing uh, video, really, uh, and audio, a little bit of audio as well, because, again, it's the voice. Um, that strap line that we have on our website, it's her voice I miss the most. I wish I could hear her again. Those words are actually from uh, one of our board advisors, Roberta Ricella, 
who um, she's head of quality of life uh, in HC1. It's sort of one of the largest uh, residential providers here in the UK. Um, but she lost her mum at a very young age, I guess, similar to yourself. Um, and uh, I think she was 12, but she had a, a tape recording of a voicemail of her mum and she lost the tape. And that's a story in itself. In fact, Roberta is going to be writing for us later in the year uh, as a guest blog, all about that journey and all about that story. But when I started speaking to Roberta about this and she told me this, I wrote it down and it just encapsulates everything that Aftercloud is about. It's her voice I miss the most. I wish I could hear her again. And of course you can with Aftercloud. If you capture it now, it's there for posterity. It's there for future generations. But that's her story. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I can say too, I wish I would love to hear my dad's voice. Mm. Do you have many memories? Do you have, you know, footage or? or... There is no video. And all of my, I maybe have 10 pictures. Yeah. Total. Yeah. I mean, my. um, my question, though, is, too, I can see this as being something helpful for busy moms, and young kids that may not necessarily have maybe the financial means to purchase a nice camera or video, you know, like a video camera or something like that. And we all have our phones, but, you know, you got your pictures in one app, you got your videos that... For someone who might be terrible about printing, okay, because I was I was a photographer and my kid, my youngest always reminds me that she's got no baby book <laughs> and her siblings have like a baby book and a scrapbook. But yeah, the printing thing is an issue for me. So how does that, I'm ask, asking for myself. So mm. to document my children's birthdays or school concert or or, you know, an accomplishment or something like that. Mm-hmm. How does that work? Like how can you print from it? And is it a monthly subscription? Like, do you, like, how does that work? Like, do you, do you have access as long as you are a subscriber or how does that work? Yeah, that's a great question, uh, Victoria. So I'll answer the first question or the first part of the question first, and then I'll come on to subscriptions. So uh, printing is just, uh, well, as an example, you have your phone. You, you mentioned already, you can print from phone uh, just, you know, just by hooking it up with a USB or, or whatever. You can, you, can, you can do that for sure. Um, all of those moments you, you capture in app. So as I say, whether it's an image, a video, voice, or a letter, and letters can be dictated in app as well. So you can speak to the app and it will dictate your letter. You might have to edit little bits depending upon, you know, your, your voice or accent or tonation, um, but you can do all that in app. So that's, that's the first thing um, to create that moment or multi, uh, multiple content types to create the moment in relation to the subscription model. Yes. So it will be free. There will be a free base version for everybody to make use of. Absolutely. Um, really, really imperative to us that there was that free model for people to utilize, but then depending upon your needs and requirements, we embellish that product range as a subscription-based model. But again, very, very affordable subscription-based model. And of course, that's not released yet. It won't be released now, I don't think, until about May time, which possibly might coincide with the air date of this podcast. Yeah, yeah, it will. 
Um, but we, but that's the sort of that's the sort of timeline we're looking at at the moment. The the beta is currently fifteen weeks in trial. Fantastic feedback. In fact, we've just uh, Friday um, had our first video interview, uh, which is a dementia patient who's also a patient advocate, and he loves it. He thinks it's fantastic for for dementia patients, which. I, I'm really, really proud of actually, I have to say, um, it just, yeah, I, the fact that it's doing something positive for someone. Yeah. It's tremendous. Uh, but yeah, subscription based model, depending upon needs and requirements, I, I think from an ethical standpoint, we're only going to guarantee 10 years. Um, and I, and I mean that in a, a genuine way in that I think it would be wrong of us to stipulate lifelong or 99 years or, you know, I am aware of another platform, it's this got this 99 years and i think well how can you absolutely say that you who knows what's going to happen tomorrow but certainly 10 years i think is is a generalization and you can capture today so going back to this the anniversaries and the birthdays and the, those scenarios that you mentioned i can i mentioned already my, my mum's birthday is in september and she's going to be 81 i could record a video message today and publish it for the first of september which is my mum's birthday knowing that she's going to get that on her birthday and not before. That's a neat. I like that. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. It's just forgetting. And especially those first of the month birthdays that kind of sneak up on you and you flip the calendar and it's like, shoot. (laughs) (laughs) It's one of those things you can do whenever you feel comfortable about doing it and not have to worry about it again. You know, it's, um, but, but yeah, I I think if, you know, your daughter's um, play at school, Absolutely, capturing in 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 the app, um, take a video or or different types of content, however you want to to do that, um, and then it will be saved as a draft. But you can publish it, and you can publish it to your daughter if you wanted to, or you can publish it to yourself either the following day or any time in the future, knowing for well it will be there, captured and safe in the cloud, as in after cloud. So tell me about the name. Yeah, that's that's a great question. So it was actually uh, my CTO, Anthony, who came up with the name Aftercloud, which I thought was fantastic. It, it sort of we were toying with treasured for a while, as in you know a box full of treasures, and we we, we were toying about with the name initially. For, I think for us, it was imperative that every stakeholder was catered for. So not only the individual, but also the loved one. So um, we have this grief cafe uh, as well. As a support mechanism, it's community-based support mechanism, so free to attend once a month, and and is actually growing as a community. But the, but the name AfterCloud was was as I say, we were just chatting away one day over a coffee, talking about the app, talking about iterations of the app. Um, so before lockdown, so this was last sort of February time, and um, he said the word after 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 AfterCloud, and as soon as he said it, I kind of wrote it down and said, that is it. That's, that's just fantastic. Aftercloud, that's it. Yeah, and it's been Aftercloud since. We did, it was called My Aftercloud uh, because of the URL. But then we realized actually the URL can remain My Aftercloud because it's yours, but the app itself is Aftercloud. Well, and if you have a group, it's kind of our Aftercloud. It could, it Not could necessarily my. Our Aftercloud, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's everybody's aftercloud. That's I think that's another. Yeah, it's, it's a really good point. Yeah. So let's bring back the story to the, your mother-in-law mm. and mm. 
that experience and what, I mean, you kind of spoke to what prompted the creation of the app, but um, do you care to speak more about that loss? Yeah, I think it was really the first grief journey that I've had close to us, I guess, in quite a while. I mean, my dad died. Uh, My dad suffered from cancer. Uh, I think when he, when, when I was six months old, they gave him six weeks to live. Oh my. Yeah. Um, so sorry. No, it, it's, like, it's part of life, isn't it? And I think you, you know, my, if I look at my life, actually talking about grief, um, I lost my mum. Uh, I didn't lose my mum. My mum lost her son. So I was um, four years old and my older brother, I had two older brothers and I lost one of my older brothers through a road traffic accident. He was knocked over by a car and he was only seven at the time. So the trauma that she went through as a mum, I just can't imagine. I wouldn't want to imagine, but I know that she was heavily traumatized at the time, Uh, but she had a child, two children, uh, an older one and a younger one to take care of. And kind of got on with life, I guess, in that respect. But my dad, cancer, really lifelong um, from the time I was born. But as I say, six months old, they gave him six weeks to live. And he turned and said to my mum, she will vouch me when she says this. Um, well, I'm not, I'm not going to go anywhere yet. I'm going to wait till my kids are old enough to look after themselves. And he, he did. Um, we all grew up. He went through radiation. He lost his bottom jaw. Oh, my um, gosh. Yeah, yeah. It was really one of the very early pioneers of radiation treatment for cancer therapy, cancer of the throat. And, um, but also skin grafts and things like that. I mean, skin grafts and operation after operation and trying to, you know, um, put his face back together, really, I guess. is, But none of that worked. Um, and Was he able to talk? He was able to talk. I can understand him, whatever he said. And I think that's why he liked having me around from time to time, you know, and I, I mentioned to you before I went off and joined the army and came back and he was, you know, he, he wouldn't go out um, much because people would stare, but with me, he'd feel protected, I guess, to an extent. So that was nice. Yeah. But, but so, yeah, I guess my grief journey has been lifelong. I think, that, you know, my mother-in-law dying two years ago, impacted more i think on my wife it's really her first major loss she, she did lose her dad um again through cancer a fair few years back but i think losing her mum in such an aggressive through such an aggressive disease as Lewy body dementia is um well, it was in this in this occasion. It doesn't have to be. I mean, I I know people that have Lewy body dementia that had it for ten years and are still living well, um, even though there there is a cognitive decline. But th- but through this, it was very very quick. And um, so my wife, I think it's impacted my wife more, uh, and still does because grief, as you know, is a lifelong journey. And as a uh, you know, my son as well because it was him that you know sparked this. <laughs> Spark this interest about Aftercloud. Um, again, I can't really take full credit or responsibility for it. It was, it was, you know, he was the one that sort of intimated it. Wouldn't it be great if we could do something for other people in a similar predicament? So, um, yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I mean, I could talk more with the loss of your father because 
it just fascinates me that he was able to survive that long. Mm. But I just want to highlight, though, and just kind of reflect back to you that if he never left the house or he, you know, wouldn't leave the house, that would have, that alone restricted the experiences you could have had with him too, not, I mean. Yeah, yeah, I I think it probably did, but he, he did. I mean, he worked. Uh, even even with with his facial disfigurement he he worked you know he 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 carried on he just he was a you know uh, ex soldier himself but he carried on working you know and um he worked in a college and i would imagine that he probably gets stared at time and time and time and time again i think what he didn't do was go out sociably you know restaurants or um in those types of environment he would go to work and come home and, you know, I'd sit up and watch him come in. And in that sense, everything was quite normal. Um, and I didn't know anything different apart from, you know, he was my dad. And as I say, I found it easy to comprehend and understand him because I'd always known him. But for other people, they would struggle. Uh, and I think towards towards the latter part of his life, it was worse. But I think that's because he maybe got lazy. I don't know. <laughs> I I think maybe just... There comes a point when you just, I'm not going to repeat myself again because I've already said Mm -hmm. that once, but I got it straight away. I knew what he was saying. He kind of, you know, um, yeah. But as I say, I didn't, I didn't know anything different, I guess. I suppose if, yeah, I suppose if you were pretty much born into that experience, you wouldn't. No, no. Um, can you make the distinction too of Lou's body dementia versus like dementia that maybe most people are familiar with? I'm not an expert in any way, shape or form in dementia or Alzheimer's or any relate, related disease. Uh, only that with my mother-in-law, when I say aggressive, two years probably from that initial, okay, something's not quite right here to death. Uh, and and in that sense, it was it was quick, um, and and I think latterly those those last sort of few months, we were so my 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 wife and my sister in law were were sort of caring. They were you know, caring for my mother in law, the primary carers essentially, and we were sharing that responsi- responsibility between us as families. You know, mum would spend a little bit of time in our house here, and then we drive you know, hour and a half, two hours. Um, and, and and swap 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 over the roles uh, just to give each other a bit of respite because mm-hmm. it is you know it's hard work. You care with empathy and compassion. It's my mother-in-law, but my wife um, probably needed that break every two or three weeks. You know, because well, you're and, grieving during that process too, because you're losing a little bit of that person every day. Yeah, yeah, you absolutely. Know? So it's yeah, yeah. And I look back now and I wish we'd have had half the cloud then, really. Mm. And that's not a plug. It's just uh, if we'd have captured some of those moments. I remember, actually, I remember vividly walking my mother-in-law um, at the front of our house, just up and down the road, because slowly but surely she was losing the ability to do that. So we'd do that. And I'd give her a bar of chocolate. She loved eating chocolate. So I'd say, you know, there's there's a bit of chocolate. And let's go out for what she Her face would light up because she knew that, you know, there was a reward at the end of it for chocolate, you know, and I, I, I know it sounds harsh, but it was a great way of kind of maintaining that ability to do something. 
Um, and of course that, that slowly declined as well. But um, we, I guess towards the end, anything we could do with, whether it, whether it was a small pot of yogurt or, or, a, or a chocolate based mousse or something, because you start to lose, I think with Louis body anyway, you start to lose that cognitive ability to swallow, to taste, to, 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 you know, function. And of course, if that's happening, you can see it physically on the outside internally, it must be a whole heap worse. And of course that's, it's a steady regression. It's a steady decline. As I say, I'm not an expert, um, far from it, but I do talk to experts and I do talk to a lot of people that are, you know, pr- providing, uh, specialist dementia-based care. Um, so, I, so I kind of learn little bits here and there. I worked in a nursing home when I was a teenager and there was a devoted Alzheimer's unit specifically for um, Alzheimer's residents. Yeah, I, I just, I can't imagine what that is like to care for someone, a loved one. That's, you're losing a little bit of every day. I mean, the grieving starts, and I think that's true with terminal illness too. You know what's you know what's coming, but yeah. at least with terminal illness, you have that cognitive. It doesn't come in and out. No, no. Yeah, no. we're doing for some fascinating work in older people's services down with you know virtual reality headsets mm. and taking people back to those moments in time where they can enjoy themselves. You know, so even when they'd not got a tremendous amount of cognitive ability they might be sat in a chair as an example in a nursing home they can still be taken back to that magical moment Mm -hmm. and and you can still put a smile on their face i love that i mean that for me is just heartwarming I, i i all of those things the more we can do for people the more we can just have that empathy and compassion and put the smile back on their face the better in my view and i'm nurture the dignity yeah absolutely Mm -hmm. yeah yeah absolutely what has your grief experiences taught you? Oh, that's a question. Ah, for me, I think it's just having that understanding, really. And, and even more so for employers, interestingly. I mean, I, uh, we, we posted a blog post um, just recently, and I wrote a personal piece about the actual guest post because I experienced grief in the workplace in a corporate environment and nobody knew, nobody understood, nobody even asks, asked, actually, they couldn't really care. And, and I'm sure they could if they had known, but they didn't necessarily mm. care. And I think it's the duty of all employers to have uh, uh, the duty of care really for their employers. You know, if you've got someone that is bereaved or in a state of shock through grief, they're not going to be performing at their best, are they? They're not going to be producing the goods, so to speak, or the numbers. And um, so the one thing I've learned is, as an employer, to have that respect, to give people the time that they need and the space they need, I think, to grieve. And that's different for everybody. Or at least the support mechanisms to assist people to grieve. Because again, I think that that is something that's, that's, that's missing, I think, really, in the modern workplace. And of course, we're all grieving now, aren't we? For, for, not through bereavement, but just grief of loss. You know, we, we, we're grieving for the little simple pleasures that we once took for granted. You know, I mean, I don't, wouldn't it be great just to go to a 
coffee shop and have a coffee and sit down with a slice of cake. I mean, that <laughs> just that mm. simple pleasure. Yeah, um, sit in a coffee shop, yeah. We can't do it. We, you know, we're, we, we're in lockdown. Well, in the UK, certainly we're in lockdown. Um, everything's shut. And, um, and this is now the third lockdown that we've had. And I think from a mental perspective as well, so mental health and well-being, uh, it's going to affect people, isn't it? I think there's going to be fallout from that. Well, you get so, yeah. this of this is never going to end. Like oh, you, you don't see like the that. light. Yeah, you don't feel or see this light at the end of the tunnel. And I just want to highlight the point that you said about employers, because thank you for saying that. And I think it's it's looking at that role that you play as an employer as one with compassion and empathy, because I gave a talk actually to my company about grief and bereavement. And, you know, most employers only offer four days mm. of bereavement time, mm. four days. Yeah. All right. Back at it. Lickety split. Let's get going. Like <laughs> Madness. Absolute madness. I think really for me in a corporate environment, and I'm talking, you know, large employers that, that have, you know, an extensive workforce, there should be an appropriately qualified bereavement officer. You know, we call it a chief bereavement officer. They've got, they've got chief information officers, chief executive officers. They've got chief financial officers. They've got chief officers for everything, but not bereavement. Why? You know, maybe I should pitch myself to my company. Hey, why not? <laughs> Yeah, Create my yeah. own job within the yeah. company. That'd be yeah. great. But I do. I think. I think it's you know. I think employers need to take responsibility. They take responsibility in every other aspect of our life. They pay us our wages and et cetera, et cetera. There needs to be ownership. I think in terms of grief as well. To get it's the just, best from your workforce. Yeah, it's just caring. Mm. It's just caring. It really is being human. Yeah, kindness yeah. and yeah. caring. Go yeah. back to the basics, like. Yeah. Think of it. Empathy is like the ability to put yourself in someone else's shoes. Sure. What would you need? Yeah. What would you hope for? Yeah. And I think too, that's where I'm glad the conversation around grief is starting to change that people are talking about it more because more people then gain an understanding that it's not about picking yourself up with, from your bootstraps and, you know, driving on. And it's just a part of life, you know, that life, death, life, it, you know, we're all going to die. You know, That's this right. cold, this cold disconnected approach to our mortality, but also then that's also looking at other people's losses that, that way as well. It's mm-hmm. distancing yourself from being vulnerable with someone, getting in that space with them, being comfortable getting in that space with them. And a lot of people are very uncomfortable doing that because they haven't connected within themselves and what they have lost. Yeah. I, it's, it, well, that's fascinating, you know, because I think it's, it, you mentioned the here and now and having those meaningful conversations. It absolutely is about that. I started to well up when I was talking about my dad, uh, you know, and taking him out. And of course there's, there's that emotion because it, it took me right back to that of how he must feel. Um, yeah. So that's, that's something I've got to look at, I think inwardly <laughs> to, because it does, it kind of invokes that emotion. Um, yeah, yeah. But you no, know, having those meaningful conversations, being in the here and now present as a human to human, I think is really, really important for everybody. Really, really. Mm. So during those days when it was really difficult for your wife, for your family, um, yeah. 
I, I kind of like to ask too, like what, what does give you joy? Like what, in all the grief that you've experienced, um, throughout your grief experience, what is giving you the most joy and hope for the future? I think it's the simple things in truth. I think it's the little things that we just probably take for granted. My son, as an example, uh, turns 13 this week. That gives us joy. No idea where the time's gone. Um, but my wife and I have been planning meticulously to try and do something nice for her. I mean, it's a, it's a different world of living the kids. I, I, you know, I, I, I fear for them in terms of their mental um, stability as well, because, you know, they, you know, not seeing friends at school, they're not having those interactions that we had as kids. But I do, I am very, very thankful for technology. He, he, he's a gamer. And there's a little clique of gamers that, you know, pretty much daily, certainly after school, when the work's done, um, they will, they will all just, you know, the, they'll play Ship of Thieves or Minecraft or one of those, you know, one of the yeah. games. You know, I, My son is too. Yeah. Yeah. So it's beyond me. But, but again, just talking to parents as well is thank goodness they've got that, that, you know, they've, they've still got that ability to connect with each other, even virtually, you know, in this type of environment, but they're still, you know, problem solving as an example in games, you know, mm-hmm. uh, they're still using that sort of similar behavior to problem solve, which is fantastic. I see it as a, a, a benefit, whether my wife agrees with me on that, I don't know, but, uh, but yeah, I, I see it as a benefit. But going back to your question, I think just the, the little things really, what gives us joy for me, seeing a smile on my wife's face, knowing she's grieving, knowing she's still going through those hardships that the grief journey can take you down or on. And, and it, you know, it, it, it has its peaks and troughs and you'll know this yourself, it up and down, up and down, depending upon scenario. Um, but it's understanding that and have an empathy for that really and not reacting um, or, or at least understanding that it's probably grief that is doing this. But yeah, I think just, just knowing that there will be a time when we do get back to normality of some description, that's something to look forward to, I think, for all of us. And hope for the future, you know, hope that, you know, people will have more empathy when we come out of this. I've seen it myself during this time that people have been a lot more connected. Families have been more connected more than ever, actually, even in a virtual environment. You know, that when we had the first lockdown, you, you saw families having quiz nights together. I mean, they're not as common now, actually, <laughs> but initially we're having quiz nights. That was never even thought of before. When none of us did this as families, families were quite disconnected in, unless it was a, a wedding or a funeral or some kind of family celebration. You wouldn't just connect really. Now, as an example, I phone my mum every day. I speak to her every day. I can see her every day on my video on phone. She uses AfterCloud, interestingly, so she's writing things for me. But, but I'll connect with my brothers. So I've got two brothers, a younger and an older mentioned we lost the one but my younger brother who we, there is um nine years between us and there's six years to my older brother but we'll all get together on a chat with my mum we, we didn't we'd never done that ever before and had it not have been for this time i don't think we ever would so there are there are some good things that have come out of this as well i think and i think that connectivity that humanity compassion that kindness that we've all seen i hope that well, I hope that that carries on. I hope it continues. I hope that people don't lose that. Yeah. Let let that be the virus that spreads, right? Oh, I, oh, I'm going to write that down. <laughs> <laughs>
That's brilliant. Quote me on that then. <laughs> I will indeed. I will quote you on that. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Let joy and love be the virus that spreads. Yeah, I might not. Yeah, that, that's a that's too. a Twitter, isn't it? That's a kind of tweet I think that comes out of this. <laughs> yeah, I think you, you put some more. You, yeah, I'm going to leave that for you. That's your quote, and I think it's a fantastic quote. We well, you can you can put it anywhere and just put my name on it. That's fine. <laughs> I could do. I could do indeed. Let joy and love be the virus. Or may spreads. joy and love, may joy and love be the virus. May joy spreads. and love be yeah, the virus. Like it's post-pandemic. <laughs> no, just to, just overall. Yeah. Yeah. Now that's a lovely, like that's a that. lovely thought. But as I say, you know, just just that compassion, that empathy. I I, I mentioned earlier that you know I've been volunteering since since the outbreak. So I, mm. just in my local community, and, and the we I live in a small village, and we have so many volunteers that give their time freely to help others. And I don't think, again, I don't think we'd have seen that had it not have been for a pandemic. So again, I hope that continues. I hope that that, that human connectivity continues because I love it. I just. Uh, thank you for the work that you do. Thank oh, you. no, thank you for yours. I think it's, having these conversations is really, really important. I think it really, really important. And um, yeah, God bless you as well. Thank you. So where can people reach you if they'd like to connect with you? Okay, great. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn, Darren Evans. Um, They can email me, darren at dilogic. That's D-Y-L-O-G-I-C dot co dot UK. My son's name is Dylan, hence the Dilogic, because he's always applying it. Um, Has been from a young age. (laughs) Um, The website is my aftercloud or one word so my my aftercloud.com and again you can register on the site and the app is downloadable through the app store so aftercloud is an app i will link all of that in the show notes as well is there anything else you would like to add no you, you know just that you've been great can't thank you enough for your time it's been a pleasure yeah i think the conversation will definitely continue yeah, I, media, I really, sure. I genuinely hope it does. And um, uh, yeah, f- from me to you, I, I, I wish you well with your endeavours as well. You know, notwithstanding the the doula. No, oh, thank you so much. I, yeah, I very much look forward to it. I'm not sure uh, how it's going to play out in my. Uh, you'll be great area, but yeah, thank you'll you be so fantastic. Much. No, it's a pleasure, and uh, let's let's keep in touch. Definitely, and remember, when you unleash your heart, you unleash your life. Much love. From my heart to yours, thank you for listening. If you like this episode, please share it, because sharing is caring. And until next time, give and share compassion by being a heart with ears. And if you're hurting, know that what you're feeling is normal and natural. Much love, my friend.